what's happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Glenn, Pat. It's time for new ads. It is time for new ads. They have new sponsors. But we've also got some remaining ones as of well course. that we've got to bless them. So it turns out we're actually behind because people jumped into our Patreon and sent us much money and we didn't realize. Until they said, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Hey, where's our ads? Yeah. Here it is. We're doing it. You know where you should get dog training equipment in North America now? Who? Mojo Dog Co. Mojo Dog Co. Yeah, mojodogco.com mm. is a website. There's a real store. It's in Chicago. Yep. But it's a website you can totally go to and they pretty much sell everything. They've got mills. They've got training gear. They've got apparel. There's food. There's dog beds. Like it's a legit store. I've and been you've there. been there. I've you? been there, yeah. Yeah, you've I, witnessed I, it firsthand. You've I, um, smelt the odors. You've tasted the food. You've run on the mills. I committed theft. I stole a tub. <laughs> I think I was allowed to take it. Too late now. I've got it. I, yeah. I, I just trained with it today. So basically he's paying us Patreon money for you to steal his toys. Yeah. It's okay. a it's a great Klein tug. It's fantastic. A Klein tug? Yeah. Oh, it's you know who else sells a Klein tug? Uh, who? The Buffhead. The OG Buffhead. Really? Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. He, he, in fact, he does. I got from the Buffhead a Klein flirt pole which all the dogs favour over all the other ones. Really? Yes. They you like shouldn't that. allow toy preferences, Len. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. They do. They choose what they want. We have two places that you could get dog training equipment. Yes. MojoDogCode.com. Yeah, in North America. Yeah. And Einzawiener.Buffed. Yep. You know what's a really cool product? The Rowdy Hound Dog Kennel. It's the kennel that attaches, like it's a crate that attaches to your motorcycle. Yeah. So you can take your dog anywhere that you're traveling if you own a motorcycle and yep. you want to take your dog with you. If safely, I owned a motorcycle, safely, if safely. I owned a motorcycle or a dog that wanted to ride one, yep. I would 100% get one. I own a motorcycle. You should get one. I should get one. You should get one. I can see you a little Frenchie hanging yep. off the back of your motorbike. Mm. Yeah, I think that Mando would probably cause me to come off my bike. He yeah. would probably rock around like crazy on yeah. that thing. But yeah, a little, little dog like what George Kittredge does, mm-hmm. who's a wonderful bloke and a dear friend of ours. Sponsor of the show. Sponsor of the show. And he takes his little blue healer, which mm-hmm. is an Australian dog. Mm-hmm. And George has been out here in Australia. He knows all about Australia. He mm-hmm. stayed in Australia. He's done it all. Mm-hmm. But he actually takes his little blue healer and he rides her all around the state and he teaches other people how to do it as well with their dogs. So you know, not only does he sell the product, but he trains people on how to use it as well. That's great. It is. You know, he should get everybody to do a big road trip up to Canada. Yeah. You know what they could do in Canada? What's that? Go to Dancroft. Ah, oh, Dan Croft. Geez, they could watch a puppy class there, couldn't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ooh. And they're doing seminars as well. Really? Yeah, they've got seminars, they've got teaching, they've got education. But as I spoke to Daniel, who runs Dan Croft, mm-hmm. he was telling me all about their amazing puppy classes and they do some kick-ass social media. Yeah, they do. They've got some pretty extreme type of breeds over there that they've got them all under perfect control, like all these American Staffies, they've got all these bull breeds that people complain about, whinge about and say they can't be trained. And mm-hmm. Dan Croft has them doing not only 
beautiful stays, but they also have them on balls. Mm. So they have the dog, Incredible. you know, like inside a tyre and the dog's doing beautiful drop stays while they're at peace and at harmony and somebody's walking around, all the owners are there with the dogs. They're having a great time. Incredible. Yeah. Oh, I bet those dogs are well-conditioned and healthy. Yep. Yeah. How would they do that? Probably the best way is to get yourself some canineceuticals. Have you been using it? I have actually. No shit, like jokes aside. Remy was circling the drain. He was in bad shape. And yeah. I said to Narelle, hey, I want to try and get him back in condition, mm. see how much longer I can get from him. Because like the mind is willing, but the body is weak. Yep. And so she hooked me up with all the right things and he's a million times better. In fact, he's actually better than he has been in you know probably two years. And you did a really cool social media content for Narelle the other day, which he really appreciated. I make sweet reels, bro. You do. Yep. You are pretty good with your reels. Again, all jokes aside, I'm not just saying this because Narelle's my wife. I make this very clear, but she's, what? she's actually a genius with that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. When other people are sort of relaxing and kicking back, I know people are busy and they've got things to do, but Narelle reads white papers. She's doing everything. She's always looking how she can improve the standards in a dog's life. Like she actually amazes me. She's mm. very, very industrious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mojo Dog Co. Yep. Einzer Wiener. Einzer Wiener. Mm-hmm. Rowdy Hound. Rowdy Hound. Dan, Dan Croft. Croft. Yep. Yep. Thank you all very, very much. You guys sponsor the show. If you want to support the show, support them. Yes. They're the place to get the gear. Yeah. And if you get into Patreon and you tick that box, just know that we don't check that very often. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to tell you us. Gotta, you've got you you to gotta, shoot us a message. Yeah, it's fine for you to let us know. We really appreciate you. We started off our shows talking about some of our new attributes, things that we've got. Yeah. And we would never have got that without Patreon support. It's That's Patreon right. that pays our bills. All right. Enjoy the show. And our sponsors. Enjoy the sponsors. (laughs) Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio for our second attempt at a podcast today by my co-host, Glenn Cook. Isn't that funny that it's our second attempt because we got a little ranty and we got a little hot under the collar. And we're upset, Glenn. We are upset. We finished the episode, the last one, talking about the prong collar ban in Queensland. Yes. For people, you know, so that episodes can stand alone if you didn't listen to it and if you don't know what's been going on many months ago. It was like six months ago. It was much earlier in the year, wasn't it? It was Yeah, it's at been least going on for months. some time. And you might recall Kirsty Reid joining us on, yeah. on one of the podcasts. Yeah. So she could talk to everybody about what was being proposed. If you go back through the episodes when Kirsty joined us, you, yeah. can, you can listen to the beginnings, yeah. the origins of when that happened. It, it was all set in motion and like, was it 10 days ago or so, that's happened. Yep. The prong collars are banned in Queensland. Mm-hmm. It has happened. We were pissed off about it and just had a big ranty rant and then realized that we were just two guys ranting, <laughs> that it wasn't much of a show. But we do want to explore the ramifications of that and talk about the reality of that situation and sort of expose the people that are pushing for that kind of thing, as well as explore, you know, where does this leave us for dog training and what do you think the future of dog training looks like because Mm. of things like this? Like this is probably in Australia, this is probably going to be a bit of a snowball kind of effect. Like I imagine that this is, you know, it's not going to be isolated. It's going to start spreading around. It happened in Tasmania as well. Yeah, they snuck Um, it through in Tasmania. Yeah, it's something we've barely even spoken about or known about. It's definitely happening all around the world that balanced training using real dog training techniques by people who really know how to use them is becoming illegal to do. And I think a big part of that is people who really don't understand 
training at all, trying to legislate their competition away. Interestingly, I ended up doing a podcast with Luke and Panos, Mm -hmm. Life With Your Dog. For those who haven't heard it before, it's a good podcast, suggest you check it out. I did a podcast with them and we were supposed to talk mainly about working dogs and sport dogs. And I hijacked it and I talked mostly about the prong collar thing because it just happened and it was messing with my head. There was quite a long conversation that the three of us had. Well, it was mainly me and panels. Luke pretty much just sat in the corner and looked at us talking. (laughs) (laughs) We pretty much just banged on during the show. Mate, you're right. It's something that really is troubling us, which is why we had to scrap the first edition of the podcast we did. There's been quite a few episodes we've done where we've got halfway through it and thought, fuck, we have to trash this because it's just unproductive and there's no real call to action. It's two guys getting pissed off. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess the ethos that we were trying to develop around this show was not to do that. It was primarily to not have you and me just having a conversation with each other. It was to involve our greater community so people felt like they were connected to the show Mm -hmm. and not want to switch it off halfway through thinking, oh, these are just two guys banging on. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're trying to be more productive about it even though we're feeling a strong range of emotions about it and feel like many people do a great air of betrayal by a lot of people who we kind of feel should know better. Yeah. Now, there is a lot of people involved in this, like we mentioned Kirsty Reed before, but also Brittany Musket, Marsha Davies, and there's quite a lot of people who actually got behind. What I'll say as well is a lot of people don't know, but the Buffhead Furman has actually thrown an incredible amount of money at this. And yep. he's done that from behind the scenes in hiring lawyers and lobbyists and all that kind of stuff. So he's actually, from his own pocket, has put in a huge amount of money that really nobody Unless you're in the know, nobody knows. That's exactly right. There is a lot of people who I guess wanted answers on this as to why this came to be. Like how did it come to be? Why did the Queensland Labor government finally decide at such a high level to get involved in this? What was the motivator behind that? And I guess what the call to action is, we'll probably get around to a few different calls to action, but one of the calls to action that I was really putting in place when we were getting a little ranty about it was, How did this come to be with the Queensland government at such a high level, like the leader of the Labor Party, putting it on their personal agenda? Like Mm. how did that happen? Mm. I think they're the questions that we need to answer is rather than firing a rocket between one side, the balance community towards the plus R and the plus R back to the balance community, which tends to happen. There tends to be a volleying of shots fired between these two camps. How did it happen to be at such a high level? That's what I want to know. Like, I like to follow things all the way to the end and rather than just get caught up in the squabble and everyone gets the pitchforks and the flaming torches out and goes to try and hunt a monster, I would like to know how did it happen to be? How did it get to this level? Worth pointing out to that is that, to my knowledge, there wasn't any evidence tabled that prong collars actually cause any problems. There's a lot of big emotions and people talking about how they don't like them and that they feel that it is cruel to use, but nobody actually showed any evidence of this is an example of a dog who was abused with a prong collar. The person was charged with animal cruelty, and in order to prevent somebody else being able to do that, we are choosing to ban prong collars in order that people can't get their hands on them and in order to be cruel with them. Mm. To my understanding, that wasn't presented. On the contrary, there was quite a large weight of evidence presented on how prong collars work, how effective they are, and how quite a large number of dogs are alive because of them. That's kind of the issue with it, right, is that prong collars were banned under what is clearly a emotional situation. They were banned because people just didn't like them. Yeah, it's a stigma. And there's some level of 
what's weird to me is that a group, whoever it is, has decided they want the prong collar band and were effective and were able to do that despite there actually being no evidence presented that they have caused any problems. So, you know, like in Australia, when semi-automatic guns were made illegal, it was because there was a massacre that happened and they said, well, we can stop that from happening again by nobody having that type of gun, Mm. right? And so there wasn't a dog that was brought forward where they said, this dog was brutally abused with a prong collar And we can stop that happening to another dog by not allowing anybody to use prong collars. Not that that would justify it, but that, to my knowledge, didn't happen. There was no case and they didn't bring up like how many people, because I know this was asked for and the the information was never provided. Like how many times have you had animal cruelty cases where somebody has used a prong collar in order to be cruel to the animal and you have charged them for it? But what they've done is said that the tool itself is inherently cruel. So to use it in any way, shape, or form is cruel and can't be used in any other way. Yet there's no prosecution. Yeah, and there's no evidence that that's ever been done, that that is the case. And in fact, the Queensland Police, the Queensland Corrections, prior to this, were using prong collars. So they're using this tool in the training of their dogs Mm. that go into service and serve the community, but are now not allowed to because it has been decided that the tool is cruel, despite there being no evidence that it was or is or has been used in that way. What's kind of pissing me off about it, one of the many things that pissed me off about it, is that the inference is that the tool itself is cruel and can't be used in a way that is not cruel because it's banned under animal cruelty. So how does that work? Where did that evidence come from? But that's what I want to know. The burden of evidence is to produce that. So So where is that evidence? That's right. It was never tabled. And so the issue is it's just someone that is upset. This is my big feelings and this is what I want. Now, I want to read a post that I saw. So this is in a Facebook group, right, called the Positive Force Free Plus R Dog Training Library. This is a real post. I won't say who it's from, but I'm happy to tell you about the group because it's a public group. Anyone can see the post. Anyone can join it. Let me stipulate this first as well. Like very often when we refer to force-free dog trainers or purely positive dog trainers, we're met with opposition from people who are real dog trainers in that community, like who actually train dogs, and say that's a stigma, that's a term that you guys use for us, that's a derogatory term. We don't call ourselves that. Yeah, we don't call ourselves that because we acknowledge that that's a stupid thing to say. You can't be force-free. Like how the fuck can you do that? If your dog's got a collar on, you're using force. You can't be purely positive because like how could you possibly everything, how could every interaction with dogs be positive? Which we acknowledge. We agree with you. Yep. But when we call people purely positive, it's not that that is a term that we're imposing onto people. That's what people call themselves. This group is called the Positive Force Free Plus R Dog Training Library. (laughs) And this post, yeah, and this post says, why do force free still use collars? Collars, not prong collars, not e collars. I'm Mm. saying collars, even for walking. I find it a little troublesome to pull a living creature by the neck, even if it isn't hard. So this is the type of person that is banning prong collars. This Mm. is the type of person that's pushing their agenda to have prong collars banned. But what they actually want is no collars on dogs at all. Yeah. No collars at all. And so where does that leave us? If we start on, on the weight of no evidence that prong collars are cruel, just because someone decided that they are and they don't like using them, they don't like other people using them, they don't like them being used. If they can be banned for that, 
well, this lady in this group also thinks that collars are no good. So they should surely be next. Mate, they're fast-tracking us into an inevitable future, which is why we were getting so upset before and where the emotions started to surface quickly in the other podcasts that we binned. This is the prediction. I've been saying this for years. I've been saying it won't be long because once they take away a tool, which they've been successful now in Queensland, they've removed that from the table. Once they take away that, they won't rest at that point. They just don't stop there. You think they stop there and you think, oh, well, they'll be satisfied now. They're satiated. They've reached the point where they got what they wanted. That's the problem. And that was a prediction model that another very well-known person in the dog behavior space that you and I have spoken about. I'm not going to mention a name. I said that last episode. I'm going to say it again. How come you don't want to say his name? Because I haven't got authority or permission from him. Okay. And I kind of feel that unless I reach out to him and say, I'd like to use your name okay, okay. on this, I think that would be unfair and unjust. Yeah, okay. He's quite a monolithic person in my mind. Yeah, but he has said these things publicly though. He has, but I still haven't okay, I sure, still sure. haven't authorised it, so I feel it would be somewhat unethical to do it without, sure, sure, without doing so. Let me speak on his behalf because I've been involved in that two-way conversation. He and I have spoken on this. And where he has brought it to my attention that – of course, the force-free people want to marry up to the balanced training people. Of course, they want to. And of course, they want to seem like the good guys because they've got nothing to lose in this. Mm. It's all their way, whatever happens. Mm. But it's not for us. We're the losers in this. Like the people who are using the balance method and utilizing these tools, we lose them. So if we don't agree with them when we're having these conversations where we have on Clubhouse in the past and so forth – it makes you look like the bad guy if you don't agree to some of this middle ground of meeting minds in the middle. It's not to say that that's not a nice thing to do and that's not a perfect world scenario. And sometimes with the right people, some very progressive conversations come out of that, which I have partaken in and I've enjoyed them and I've met some people where I've had a different viewpoint on them and vice versa. Mm. I feel that they have understood me or us better in those sort of situations. The difficulty that I have where I've had this conversation with this other gentleman where we've said they have nothing to lose. Mm. It's good for them when they see these tools disappear because they kind of feel like it's all raining our way. Mm. That's quite despairing to hear that and to think about that because he's right. Yeah. The more I think about it, he's right. Getting back to the whole prong collar situation as we talked before in the earlier podcast, the Scrapped podcast, is I brought up some concerns of mine to you, which is – I don't know anybody in my circles at all, and I'm talking at all, who has ever had an issue with a dog with a prong collar. Yeah. It's not to say they haven't had training concerns where they've said the dog has objected to the use of the prong collar, so I've had to relearn how to use it and had to better understand how to use the prong collar, but they have never in their life known this is me or them and I'm talking of, of multitudes of people nationally, internationally, they've never known of any case where a dog has suffered or it has caused them veterinary treatment. And I'm not to say that's never happened. I'm not suggesting that. But I have never known out of thousands and thousands of prong collars that I've seen and witnessed on dogs, and I've never, ever known of any time that it's causing an implication with the dog. That's where I'm having problems trying to comprehend it. 
here's one of the things that I think is worth sort of exploring a little bit is talk pros and cons of the prong collar. Yeah. Right. From a training standpoint, you're dead right in that I've never seen a dog injured by a prong collar. Never. I've never seen that. Never. I've never seen it. And I've seen dogs that are attached to a prong collar on a six foot leash, break a down position and as fast as they can hit the end of the prong collar and get corrected. And it's a, you know, they hit the end of the line and they're never happy about that when it happens. Nor but, are they with a collar. No, exactly. Mm. But even from that, like I've never seen that injure a dog. Yep. I've never seen no beyond the jarring effect of stopping at the end of the line, which would happen to them if they were on a flat collar as well. Like I've never seen that puncture a dog. I've never seen a prong collar actually cause any level of injury. I've never even seen the skin necrosis pictures, which people flagrantly yeah. flaunt all over the internet. Well, I've it's, never it's seen that. It's only ever one picture that you see. That's right. It's the same one of it's that. It's that same one picture of that white dog with the, the prong holes And in yet its I've neck. never seen it. I have seen a staffy that got like a bit of a red neck from one. Yeah. Where the owner showed it to me and I said, maybe use something else. You know, I've seen Military working dogs wear a prong collar for like three weeks and not take it off, yep. right? And I've not seen any necrosis from that either. Like no- That's the thing. I've never seen it. Yeah, I haven't. And, and nobody has ever presented it to me, which again goes into I've never seen it. Yeah. Hmm. Prong collar is not a magical tool. It's and a it's tool And it's not for everybody and yeah. it's not for all dogs. No, that's right. And, and we acknowledge- Multiples of times we've acknowledged that. Yeah. Multiples. I think that the issues of negative reinforcement- exist no matter the tool that's used to bring it on, right? So they'll often, you hear people say that a prong collar can make a dog aggressive. Of course it can. If that's your intent and that's how you use a prong collar, you can do that. Mm. But you can also make a dog not aggressive with a prong collar as well, right? Yeah. Every can, action has an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah. It's in the use of training. So yep. like if you understand negative reinforcement and use a prong collar as such, you can bring on all kinds of behaviors with it. Mm. You can make a dog aggressive. You can make a dog not aggressive. You can make a dog pull on the lead. You can make a dog not pull on the lead. You can do all these different things with a prong collar. Mm. And I think one of the things that's worth sort of acknowledging is for us as trainers and especially professional trainers. And in my space, I train dogs to do cool stuff. Really? That's what I do. And, or, and I train people to handle dogs to do cool stuff. And we will manage without a prong collar. It's not the end of the world. There's plenty of other tools in our tool belt. And I travel a lot training and I face the restrictions and I work within the restrictions of the places I go. Some places I can use a prong collar, some places I can't. Some places I can use an e-collar, some places I can't. It all depends where I am. I fit within the law of what is there. And I have the skill set and the capacity to do that. Now, sometimes I can't be as precise as I'd like to be if I'm not able to use the tools. I don't even use a prong collar in one particular way. I was having a conversation with a, a, a client today about how for my own dog, here where I use a prong collar in New South Wales where it's legal, is I have two prong collars. I have the medium size, the like 3.2 or whatever it is. And that's what I'll use on my dog to like be able to communicate with him. And that's more of a bigger movement, major muscle movement sort of thing. But if I want to be like very precise and I'm teaching my dog a very fine action, I have one of the smaller ones and I have it on tighter. He wears it tighter around his neck and he's very in tune to that and he understands that it's guiding pressure. And and by having it on like the smaller one and tighter means that I barely use any pressure that like it's, I'm literally talking, I hold it with my index finger and thumb, the, the leash that's attached to it, and it's to guide him to where he needs to go. It's a tool that I use to teach things. And I can use different tools. They won't be as efficient. My dog won't have as good a time. He won't understand things as clearly as he does with the prong collar. And we'll manage. It's not going to be the end of the world for us. We'll be fine. It's going to be a pain in the ass, but we'll be fine. 
the real people that are really going to struggle are pet dog owners who have big problems with their dog and the prong collar is part of their management. Mm. That They're the people that are really going to struggle with like who have been using a prong collar and now can't. I said it last week, but I've seen specific cases kind of unfold throughout the week of real life people who have had multiple trainers come to their house. One specific case I'm thinking of, I saw her like terrible, terrible Facebook post about how she had two trainers, both plus R people come to her house. The first one said she couldn't help refer to the second one. The second one said to euthanize the dog. She wasn't prepared to do that, got in a balanced trainer, put a prong collar on the dog, and now happily manages the dog and walks it on a prong collar. And so now she's faced with the concern of she's too afraid to not use the prong collar to control the dog the way that she has been. So her choices are to euthanize the dog as she was told or essentially keep the dog as a captive in her home and never take it out because you can't control it without it. Mm. And so we have for sure real life cases of dogs now whose lives will be worse off because their owners, handlers won't be able to use the prong collar. But we have imagined dogs, like fictional dogs that exist only in the mind of the people who have decided to ban this tool that are going to be better off, right? So real life problems, fictional solution. And that's the sort of the world that we're in. I think it's worth acknowledging as well at the moment is that the people who we have supported, like through the podcast, we have tried to develop a community. Our Facebook group is like a safe haven on dog space internet world Mm. where people can communicate and be nice to each other and get real solutions to real problems. We try to bring unity. Everybody's welcome in there. We don't screen people for what they do in the dog world. We let people come in. But in that group, whenever there's anybody who acts inappropriately and whenever there's anybody who has to be moderated, almost every time that somebody has to be moderated within that group and people have to actually, you know, either be kicked out or told to curb their behavior, it is exclusively people from representing themselves as being from the force-free community who act inappropriately and their behavior in that group is reprehensible very often. And it escalates incredibly quickly. Yeah. There's mm. people in that group who never offer solutions to people, only offer- Vitriol. Yeah. Toxicity. Yeah. It was interesting to read the comments a while ago there where there was a lady commenting on another lady's behavior where she said, I used to look up to this person. I thought this person was, where's the effect of, I thought that she was mentor material, somebody that I considered a pillar in the society, but I've seen their behavior. And to use your word, their behavior is just completely reprehensible in this Mm -hmm. group. Yeah. That's not the first time. That's just one of many times that that sort of thing has happened. And it's almost like, I don't get my way. I can't convince you that the story that I'm selling is the way it needs to be sold. There's no uptake in it or there's no acceptance in this group. So now I'm going to escalate and start using extreme language. It's just a menacing way of behaving in the group. We were before recording a podcast and we're trying to keep our shit together because we <laughs> we we were both just angry. at our wits end mm. and angry. Yeah. And what stopped us was partway through, we got an email. Yep. We both have our computers in front of us. The email come up on both of our screens at the same time. It was a beautiful email and I won't say the person's name. It's Thursday. So you you know who we are. We're going to read a part of it. You know that you sent this. We're not going to say your name, but there's a paragraph here where she says, four years ago, I started a certificate course through a positive only school to prepare for getting my puppy. As soon as I got stuck into the learning theory, I was addicted and enjoyed every second of it. 
But as time went on, my methods were proving ineffective. I would go back to my group for advice, but never really got told what to do, rather just told what not to do. I'm sure you've heard similar stories. After a while, it makes you feel like a failure. And because you don't know any better, you think you have exhausted your toolkit and you believe you are a failure. Mm. This is not an uncommon email that we get. And this is not an uncommon message that we see throughout the community. Yeah, absolutely. This is very regularly people who decide because they're good people and they're like, hey, if there's a way to do this without the tools and if there's a way to do this without using any compulsion, if there's a way to control a dog without any form of pain compliance, like why not? I'm on board. I'm absolutely in. And in many cases there is. But when there isn't a way to do that, these people are made to feel like a villain mm. and they're usually kicked out of the community. They're chased out of the community. We are lucky that there's a safe place that we try and provide. Like the community is lucky that there's a safe place that we try and provide and maintain. And not to say that we're doing a great job with that, but I mean the community itself of being a place that offers you're welcome here. We'll provide you with the information. We'll give as much help as we possibly can. We have opportunities for people to try and try out new things rather than give up. Don't just leave. Don't just give up on your own dog or the dogs that you service. But you're allowed to ask questions too, which is the fundamental area where I'm absolutely crushed for these people that when they're in these groups, they're not even allowed to ask questions about. There is no other than the oracle has spoken and that is the end of the discussion. For anybody who thinks that I'm being a little bit farcical about saying that, you have no idea the stories that some people have told us when they've come to the NDTF or even in our group in the Canine Paradigm discussion group. You have no idea at the level of torment these people have gone through and the ostracization that they felt and experienced being cast out of these groups simply for asking a couple of questions related to the use of balanced training methods. Yeah. And because they're seen as an inconvenience, because they're seen as the person who is bucking the status quo, they're driven out of those groups. And everything, if you, if you ever want to talk about the most harshest cases of negative punishment, they're driven out of the group. Their friends then turn their back on them. The whole community that they've known, everything that they've been involved in, invested in, paid for, schooled under, mentored with, everything that they were doing is removed from them instantly, like as a flash. Some of the things that people tell me, I, I, I just find it too hard to conceive that that really happens. Like I've said to them, is this genuinely what happens or are you putting a little curry in this sauce? And I said, I'm probably underplaying it, if anything. And I said, really, that happens. Like, people really do that. I said, that almost seems like something you would see on a movie where you're dragged out of a cult and you're you never to return. And they said, it is almost word for word exactly like that. Yeah. That is highly alarming. And I might add, not only alarming, but incredibly tormenting for the person who has to go through that. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. The reason this is such a difficult podcast for us to get right and it's so hard to use the correct words while I'm stumbling all over myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that I feel like we're between a rock and a hard place because we have spent the last, what are we, 260 episodes or something? 242. 242 episodes of bridging the gap and trying to bring some sort of cohesion and unity to the dog training space. And we've had a bunch of people on this show that are competent dog trainers that don't use tools and are parts of those community and we have exposed them to our audience and we've done everything that we can to try and show that it's cool to train dogs however you want. 
right? If you're effective and kind to the dogs, you do whatever you need to do. And we've been trying to bring the gap together. We've been trying to appeal to some of the people who are maybe on the more compulsive side and show them, you know, what it's like when you implement more positive reinforcement into training by exposing them to people who restrict themselves completely to that, to try and bridge the gap and increase people's skill sets and all that kind of stuff. But the issue is those people's silence has been fucking deafening in their support of us now that we're actually under attack. Mm -hmm. And that's the big problem here, mate. That's the real issue is that we will call ourselves moderates and people like you and I are saying, there's people who just do things a little bit differently. Let's not call them a different faction. Let's try and come together and let's train together and let's learn from each other and let's upskill and let's each individually decide how we feel about training dogs and what is appropriate for us and develop a network of people who train separately and differently from us so that if what we can provide is not correct to somebody else and we know the people that we can offer that to and we can ask, we can have like the dog get the training that it needs, even if we're not the person that's going to provide it. Right. That's what we have been trying our hardest to do. But what I haven't seen is those key leaders in the plus R community looking back into their own community and trying to say to the people there, stop attacking the balanced trainers because they are competent in what they're doing. And the use of a prong collar is not inherently cruel. Mm. You may not want to, you may not find any need to, you may never encounter a dog that it is the right thing to do. But the fact is that it's a very big dog training space and there are people who do have cause to, and we should support their ability to do that. Even if you don't want to do it, that's what I don't see. In fact, what I do see from the people in the Plus R community who are meant to be the people who are the moderates, who are for the most part balanced trainers themselves, they just necessarily don't use the tools, but they all use tools of compulsion in one form or another. Mm. They're all using head halties, they're all using slip leads, they're all using things like that because they understand that there just isn't a way to train some dogs without that sort of gear. What I don't see is those people saying to their community, Stop attacking these people. Stop trying to get their tools banned. And stop and, shaming them. And I tell you, we and many other balanced trainers are fucking noticing that you're not involved in this. Yep. It is getting very hard for us and others to keep advocating cohesion and unity while you are doing nothing to help us. And in fact, many of you secretly use those tools and don't tell your followers and don't tell your students that you do and you set them up for failure and you are indoctrinating an army of people that you are then sending after us. Yeah, I'm fucking sick of it, mate. I'm at my wits end with it. I don't know what we can do about it and that's why we just had a big screaming at each other fucking <laughs> session. You know you're building an appetite for people to say, oh, we should put that up. You might think that, but I guess when we analyse whether it was worth putting it to air, it was probably... It's just us being angry. It was a very negative... I mean, this is negative enough. This is this yeah. is as bad. This is the same information just to live. We're trying to use slower words rather than us yelling into the microphones. Mm. But I think that's the issue, mate, is that during that prong collar ban, what I never saw, I didn't see in any... Parts of that You're right. were the people who are like, oh, Pat, it's a, I'm totally cool with the way that you train. I have these conversations with people who are I've like, seen, I wouldn't do I've it. I've seen them write to you yeah. uh, and they've written to me. Yeah. We've had these conversations yeah. in Clubhouse yeah. where there's been an audience of people going, that was the best explanation I've ever heard on the use of yeah. those tools. Yeah. I don't want to use them, but I'm totally okay with you doing it. So here's my point to this. I validate everything you're saying. I agree entirely with what you're saying. It's singing to my ears. 
The other side of it, which I would have really loved to have seen, if they were to offer any support, and as you stipulated, they didn't, but if they were to, if they came in and said, we don't like them, they're not our favourite tool, but rather than banning, why don't we start or encourage an education process? Why not meet in the middle? Why not have it so it will remove it from the wrong people and it will allow it that industry professionals that we can discuss and agree on who they are, can do training courses and provide these tools and use ethically and with efficacy through great training programs. Hey, I'm telling you, you would have had the respect and the reverence of the greater training community, but you're 100% right. They stood in the background, probably secretly applauding, thinking this is a win to us. I don't agree with you there. I think that they're a pack of cowards that are are scared of the people that will come after them because that's what happens in the plus R community. If you speak out because they've created an army of people playing gotcha, they're all waiting to catch each other in the act. And that's why they don't do it is because they know that they're fucked because the majority of them, their actual training methods would not be accepted by the people who are pushing for these bands Mm. if they actually knew how they trained. And so they haven't been able to say to their own community that, they should support us, or at least they can't even say to the people like, stop trying to ban this type of training, because if they do, then they're kicked out and they're cut off. And a lot of them, you know, sell online courses that they need people to continue to buy. Mm. And they pitch information that they've been saying is correct and isn't. And they need people to keep believing that. And if they were to support us, then it exposes them as liars. And worse than that is that I think that Many of the people, like I said, they just don't train the way that they say that they do. They use the tools. Now, they don't use them poorly. Like It's not like they have any issue with the way that they train. Like I said, everybody should train however the hell they want. They're not completely transparent and truthful with people about how they really use these tools. They made up funny words about like, oh, I just help him into this position instead of saying like, no, I use the leash and I take him over to there. You know what I mean? Things like that to the point where they can't support us because to do so would have them out of their community. And for many of them, that would cut them off from their income. I was watching Yellowstone the other day. Mm. A great show. I've mm. never seen it. Yeah, it's good. It's got Kevin Costner in it and some really good actors. Long story short, if you have never seen the show, it's about a rancher mm-hmm. that's got this beautiful property. It goes back in time. There's another pre-show called 1883. It shows the Dutton family who own this ranch and ha- and the perils that they have to go through crossing from Texas all the way over to Montana. They go to Montana. Okay. They start off with all these German pilgrims who they all head over in the wagons and encounter the whole hostility of the landscape and everything. And it just goes to show the perils of everybody involved in it. You mm-hmm. know, the Indians, the pioneers that came through. It's quite alarming. You know, it shows a lot of the trials and tribulations attributed to that and mostly trials, heavy trials, human life, lots of losses along the way. The point where I'm trying to get to with this show Yellowstone, the last episode I watched in this recent season that's on, the daughter of Kevin Costner, she's a really inflammatory type of person. He then befriends this activist and she's an animal activist or a land activist or whatever, he befriends her and he wants to get into her mind on how her culture thinks about activism. Mm -hmm. She gets locked up in jail. He ends up taking her back to his place under house arrest in a friendly agreement because he really wants to learn from her. Like, if I'm going to save my land, how do I learn what you know about activism? 
What is it that drives you? What is it that makes you want to be vegan? What is it that makes you want to kick people off their land? What is it that wants you to stop progress from happening? Mm-hmm. It was actually a very fascinating topic watching it unfold and it's fiction. It's a show, I know, but it still has a message nonetheless. So anyway, they're sitting at the table and their chef brings in a lot of meat, you know, like he brings in quail and deer and so forth. And she really starts tearing it apart. Like, oh, this was a living, breathing animal that you just shot and now Mm -hmm. we're feasting on it and so forth. And really starts to get into the minutiae of how repugnant that is to her. Mm -hmm. So the daughter throws a napkin on the table and says, outside, you and me now. And then they end up having a slugging match where they really agree to towel up on each other. They get to a point where they stand head to head and start trading punches in the face. This girl gets knocked down by the daughter several times. Her name's Beth, the daughter of the ranch owner. She finally knocks her to the ground. She goes to slug her again, but she just holds her eyes closed. And she said, no, 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 you open your eyes. You look at me. You take your licks. And she punches her again and knocks her down to the ground. When she's on the ground, she offers her a hand and says, clean yourself up, get back in there. And she goes, but this is my fucking house and you'll respect everybody in there. And the other girl, the activist says, well, what about respect for me? And she said, you'll get what you give. Mm. And I kind of thought about that on a lot of different levels. There are so many levels where people are so fucking disrespectful. Mm. They're very disrespectful people but they expect respect. Yeah. And that's what happens a lot in this dog industry with this division that's going on. So I contemplated on that for quite some time because there's a lot of people that they want you to respect their style. They want you to respect their mentality, where they're thinking about it, but they have none for you. Mm. None. They pretend to, but it's usually leveled in contempt. I think that is a very sinister way of thinking. Therefore, we're in the predicament that we're in at the moment. Yeah, it's a good point. I think that's the hardest part, mate. Like that's what I'm really struggling with over this is the amount of work that we have put into that. You know, it's been no small feat. What's upset me is the amount of people who have contacted us and said, hey, I was introduced to you guys from, you know, someone recommended we listen to the show or whatever. Since listening to the show, become a balanced trainer because it turns out that you aren't the devils that people said, and Mm. I've fixed all these issues with my dog or the many dogs that I work with or whatever. But we also have people who come from the other way who are like, you know, I'm old school yank and crank and didn't know there was any other way. And now I've come into the center and I'm way more effective and I feel better about what I'm doing. So like, I still want to be that. Like I still want to be a place where we go like, Hey, this is how we do things. Happy with you to do things, how you do it, but this is how we do it. And if you can take some knowledge from that, awesome. Literally that's my job. I travel teaching that to people. Hey, this is what I know. I'm good at teaching it. So I can convey it to you and hopefully in a way that you understand and, and can implement, use it or don't cool, whatever. This is the techniques that I have. And I've sourced this from many people. This is not, you know, like the world, according to me, this is an aggregate of information that I have drawn from many, many places and, and many, many sources. Mm. And I want to continue to do that. But the problem is every time that we come up against some sort of opposition or there's a problem, I find myself constantly saying like, no, those guys are good. Like those trainers are good. That you take what you can from them. They're great. Learn what you can and you'll get better at use of positive reinforcement. They might come up with some interesting and novel way of teaching things that you wouldn't think of because they're restricting themselves by not using tools. Like I want to keep that as my ethos. I want to keep that as the way that I think of people. But at the moment, all I can think of every time that I think of that side of the community or people who train that way is how they don't have any interest in helping us. Mm. 
and that every time that we come against opposition in doing what, you know, fixing their problems and covering the gaps that they're unable to cover, they're happy to just throw us under the bus and not support us. And like I said, mate, it's so telling to see the behavior of the people in our Facebook group and in others. Recently, there was a post that a lady posted in our Facebook group and in another mostly force-free group, not like a strictly force-free, but like populated mostly by it. And it was fascinating to read the responses and see the way that she was talked to and dealt with by people in those different groups. And, And in ours, it was like, hey, here's a bunch of good information. And the other, it was like assumptions that she's an idiot and really like talked down to throughout all the post. It's so frustrating. I know I've I've said this a thousand times. We just keep going around in circles. We should wrap it up soon. Yeah. But it is just, (laughs) where do we go from here? How do we continue to try and provide cohesion? And like I said, all the people that we've had on this show that we've given respect to and we've introduced people to, right? Like brought people from one side of the dog training spectrum and introduced them to people from a totally another side of the spectrum via the show. Where's their support when we need them? Where are they rallying their troops and where are they saying to their followers and people like, hey, we don't need to ban prong collars or we don't need to ban tools. What we need to do is better educate people on how to use them. One of the areas that really resonates hard in a negative way for me is the seminars that some of these other groups are producing. You're never invited to them. No. Like you're not asked to participate. You're not asked to speak you're discouraged from coming to them. Yeah. There's probably people listening thinking, well, that's not true because you don't make any attempts to be there because you've made to feel not welcome. Yeah. If you guys don't understand that, it's like you're a Satanist walking into church. You're looked at with complete contempt and you're treated with complete contempt. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. The people that may listen to this show that fit that category who just listened to audit it, I don't know if you're aware of that's how we feel. Mm. I don't know I don't know if you're aware of the level of intimidation that a lot of men and women feel about going to those groups and feeling way out of their league in treatment because you're not treated nicely. Mm. You are treated like the enemy. Yeah. When you put it to us before, when you were talking about it before, yeah, there has been a lot of work done by you and me and a lot of other people. Yeah, we're not trying to take credit for no, anything. We're just it's a greater community that's tried to put work into bridging this divide. And saying, guys, help, please. When you take away things like prong collars, immediately my mind goes, holy shit, that's going to mean people are going to really start loading up on dogs because the best and simplest and easiest and kinder solutions now off the table. Yeah. And there's people who are listening to this, mate, who are going to get going, you got to be fucking kidding. Did you just say that? Yeah, I said it. I'm talking with experience. We loaded this up at the start of the conversation when we said we've never experienced anybody ever coming to us with any physical or psychological problems that I can ever recount. And I would totally be honest with you. There's no reason for me to lie about this. There's no skeletons in my closet about people with prong collars and horrific things. Yeah, I know there's cruel sons of bitches out there. They're going to continue to do it. Then we're going to be chasing after something else and something else and something else. That's the alarming part for me, what I highlighted earlier in the show. My immediate concern is where does it stop? Mm. Where does it end? What does it end with? What's the end game? I think I know what it is, and I'm sick of saying it. 
because it sounds like I'm a broken record and I'm just a negative naysayer. But I think I know what the end result is. I hope it doesn't happen in my lifetime. I hope I'm gone by that time. I really do. I hope I get to see out my journey in a fairly positive way, make some fruitful relationships and and continue along that way and then die in my sleep. And then, (laughs) (laughs) mate, seriously, I hope I do. I can't go to Valhalla if you die in your sleep. Well, I hope I die with a sword in my hand. But I certainly do not hope I see my perceived end game ever come true in my lifetime. Yeah, which is the banning of dogs, Which is the banning of pets, animals, ownership entirely. Yeah. People have heard me say this before and have kind of scoffed at me in conversations that we've had where they've said, do you really think that? I think that's far-fetched. I think you're far-reaching when you're saying things like that. I think that is a lot of presumptuous talk. Well, I never thought I would see the bannings of prong collars. I never thought I'd see that when I was way back in the day. I thought people would have kicked up a bit of fuss about them because we always knew that the look of them was intimidating. Yeah, of course. Now, a lot of people have felt that way. I even felt like that once upon a time myself. So I understand that. I get that. But I never, ever thought that it would get to a point where there was going to be national bannings of it. Never. I remember when you used to be able to tail dock dogs. And I'm not going to say that I'm supporting that because I don't. But I did once upon a time. I was part of the tail docking community. I had Rottweilers way back when tail docking was legal and vets used to do it. And I thought, well, a vet's doing it. I'm not in a shed sawing it off with a saw myself. And I would totally understand if that practice was outraged. But we never thought we'd saw that coming either. Mm. And there were so many things that you never thought you'd seen coming in your lifetime. Where does it end? Yeah, well, that's the issue. We've got people calling to stop using collars of any kind. I know lots of people say, oh, but they're not part of the community. They are. They are the majority of that community. Yep. Like, I don't know where we go from here. I I just don't know what do we do. And what I don't want to be is a person that has to, like, I don't want to be fighting with people and I don't want to be an asshole. Like, I don't want to change who I am to have to try and defend what I can do. I want to maintain being who I am and being able to do what I do and not have to become some sort of character of of fighting people in order to do it because like we could do it mate we've had people on the show i'd love to say to some of the people on the show hey can't help but notice your dog does a little head shake when you give him commands that's what happens when you use an e-collar not very well you positive only trainer you know what i mean like i don't want to have to say that like i don't want to have to point out this stuff and like throw people under the bus like i don't want to do that they should be helping us and they should be saying to their people these guys aren't the devil don't try and ban their tools because that's not what we're saying. Again, I think the ethical end game that I would be hoping to look for, which we pretty much tapped on the head a few times, is all of us agreeing that education portals are the way to go. Yeah. Stop the bans, just make it difficult for the wrong type of people to get it. But if people are convicted of not being able to use it properly, then they never get to use it again. I'll take what I can get, but I don't think that we need to make the use conditional on having done a course. I think that there just should be heaps of opportunity for education so that people, like it's easy for people to get it. So that like if they get a prong call and they're like, okay, I want to learn how to use this. What's the difference? Why would you not support having a course that would advocate then the use of it? Like ultimately they're banning it, which they're doing. I would take that over a ban. For sure I would take that. But I would rather that anyone can just buy one and there's heaps of education available to do it. And you don't think there is? I think there's a that, collapse. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like I'm, I'm happy with just carry on. What I'm concerned about is if you say, okay, in order to use a prong collar, you have to do this course. 
then that will just become a cash cow for someone. Okay, but which course do you have to do? Like who's certified that? Through what provider? What kickbacks are they giving to people? How good are they actually at doing it? Versus being able to just call your local dog trainer and say, hey man, I need help. The dog trainer comes around, says, I think the right thing is the prong collar. Here's how you use it, Yeah. right? And trust me, I will take restricted sale over no sale. Mate, there's always going to be winners and losers in those type of things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I agree with you. And there are people who are running animal education courses who I think have no place in them. That's just one man's opinion. No, exactly. Yeah. But that's what I mean. So, and like, this is the thing. So they make a prong collar course. Well, who's going to teach that? And do I have to do it? You know what I mean? Like if I'm not going to, like, do I have to go and learn from some guy, do a half day course from a guy that did a half day who, course from someone? But who's to say you can't teach it? No, exactly. But then who's like, to say that automatically because of your history and knowledge yeah, and well, skills that your grandfathered straight into it? Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. But I mean, that's a different conversation. I think that I'll take that over a total ban, but mm. I would prefer that it says carry on, do what you do, right? Like everybody train dogs however you see appropriate. If it's decided that what I do is cruel to a dog, then charge me for that, not because of the tool that I used yeah, in order to do behavior. it. charge you for the behavior. Yeah. You're exactly right. If you get charged with animal cruelty, that's because you Are a did something person. cruel to the dog, yep. not because of the way in which you did it, not the thing you did it with. And, and as I say, I think that if we're going to ban things based around like animal cruelty, it's leashes and collars and slip leads. That's what people fucking hang dogs with. Or strap them with or yeah. whatever. So like yep. that's what most people yep. perform cruelty to dogs when they do. They do it with the leash and shoes because there's plenty. I've seen plenty of boots going into Kick dogs' the fuck ribs out of before. Dogs. Yeah. 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 That's my issue with it, mate. Like I just think that it's totally unnecessary. Where do we go? I don't have an answer to that. I don't know what to do. I don't want to change who I am. I don't want to change the way I deal with people. I don't want to have to be pointing out people's bullshit online. I'd rather still have my capacity to just scroll past things that I find a problem. But the pro- the issue is other people aren't doing that. And the noose is tightening around our neck. And the issue with that is like, you know, who gives a fuck about us? We'll be fine. Like I said, I'm fine. I can manage without a prong collar. I can train a dog very effectively without any of those tools. Not as effectively as I can with them, but I can manage fine without it. And not as many dogs, but I'll find a way. The real issue is the average pet dog owner who's now in big trouble without those tools and doesn't have the skill set and doesn't have the time, energy, effort, or ability to develop a skill set to do that. And the people who then go to the plus R community people and say, hey, I need help with my dog. If you can't achieve success in their methods and you ask for more help, as I said, you'll only be told what not to do. You won't be told with what to do. They don't provide help to people. They just fucking kick them out. <sighs> That's it. Yeah. I'm happy to leave it in that spot. I think our stomachs will twist in so many knots. Yeah. If you made it this far, this will be the last we talk of it for a while. Yeah. We'll have something more upbeat next week. <laughs> we'll do a year in review or something like that. Hey, do you know, as a fact- we have been going for three years and we forgot to mention it the other day. November was really? our third year of podcasting. It's more than that. Is it? No, we started in 2019. No, we didn't. Didn't we? No. When did we start? Way before that. It was like 2017 maybe. No. Or 18 at the – no. Yeah, for sure. 2018. At the So then four years. No, I think it's 17. I think it's really? five years. Oh, my God. Fuck. Yeah. It'd be at least, usually we, it's at least four. Because we usually cock a doodle when we've come up to that time and we forgot to do it. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, the next episode will probably be a circle jerk. It'll be the end of the year by the time it's ready to come out. Yeah, true. We'll have to do a circle jerk. Yeah. Congratulate ourselves on our enormity of our success. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If we've got any friends left by that time after we've just burned all our bridges. Well, mate, this is the thing. This is like, this is what I'm really upset about. I don't know where to go from here. What do we do? What's the right answer to do? On saying that, after listening to what you said, but even my own feelings myself, I don't think we burn any bridges. I think that they've been standing on the other side of the bridge, covered in petrol, waiting to throw the match on it and just did. Yeah. They basically just said bye. Yeah. And just burned the bridge before us. Yeah. I don't want to keep dragging us back into the conversation, but. I'll tell you the thing that I find the hardest is when people in the balance training community, like there's people who are turds, you know, like. There's turds everywhere. Yeah. There's assholes. There's people that are undesirables. But what I don't see is people hardcore preaching one thing and doing another. Mm -hmm. That's what really grinds my shit. And we see like a very prominent force-free dog trainer who really attacks balanced trainers every chance that he gets and and carries on about toxic masculinity, goes after especially ex-military dog trainers and talks about how masculinity is the worst thing ever. Meanwhile, is sending unsolicited dick pics to people. Like, and that's all over the fucking internet. You know what I mean? Like, it's that hypocrisy that drives me insane. Yep. That's where we can end it. <laughs> we'll have to end it. <laughs> all right. Mm. Promise next week we'll be happy. Yeah. That's it for another episode of the Canon Paradigm. As always. You if- sound upset when you're doing your ending. Oh, I am upset. I'm upset about this whole thing. Yeah. It's a terrible day in training and behavior. It's not just about a prong collar ban in Queensland. That's no. the thing. It's a much bigger issue than that. That this is just another little. It's, it's just nefarious another nefarious undercurrent yeah. surrounding it all. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Anyway, that's it for another episode of the Canon Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, do us a favor: like, rate, share, subscribe. Send this to whoever needs to hear it. Who yep. needs to hear this episode? Lots of people, really. Yeah, the problem is that people will hear it and be like, "Yeah, those guys are right," and then the others will be like, no, fuck you. Like, it's not going to help. We're just going to maintain the problem. Yeah. But I don't know what I've been trying as long as we have, and I don't know what we've achieved. Anyway, give us a like and all that. Support the show. Jump into Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) Give us a few bucks a month. I'll give you some education. I'll I'll teach whatever you want. Just let me know. Tell me what you want to see in there. I'll put it in there. Yeah. If you want another way to support the show is get into Teespring, buy some cool merch, Um, get yourself some socks and underpants with our faces on it or get a tattoo with our faces on it, whatever. There's two of those getting around. Oh, yeah, there is two. One's got a scar on it. Yeah, we got cut in half on Jason. The other way, if you want to get in contact with us, jump into our Facebook discussion group. You can see a couple of assholes in there that expose themselves all the time when they're rude to people about, like, why don't you just use force-free training methods? So don't do that. Don't mm. be one of those. <laughs> like, get in there and be kind. Uh, and if you want to get in contact with us directly, <laughs> you should an email. We're info uh, at thecanonparadigm.com. Goodbye.